Sports Show on Red Radio. This is Steve Mickelson live from Las Vegas and MixPicks.com. Two K's in Mix, two K's in Picks. MixPicks.com. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. All right, we're gonna we're gonna start where we ended yesterday, real quick, because I mentioned at the end of yesterday's show that we were getting an email or two about uh, Tony Romo uh, and his, uh, his his broadcasting, and and I got very broadcasty, and and I just I was angry that he talked over the very end of the game of the Super Bowl instead of just letting it breathe. But there's been other complaints about Romo. He's too silly, as you say. He's not prepared. He's he's not seeing the game, etc. Michael emailed us as anyone can rad at radradio.com and said, I see where Rob is coming from with Tony Romo, but I agree with Steve. Romo's not a broadcaster. I understand what you're saying as far as shut up and let the crowd and the visuals do all the work, but I don't fault Tony Romo for that. I think he's great. I think he adds something completely different, which is what we need in sports, something completely different. Eh. Look, I mean, I'll go with the he's not a broadcaster thing. I, I, I still don't understand how after all these years he hasn't been turned into one, taught to be one, mentored to be one. Um, I, I loved Romo. I, I think Steve has said many times he loved Romo in the beginning. I don't need a, the something different to be – singing and joking around and not being able to prognosticate what's coming up. And that's what Romo's become. Right. I, I don't have a whole yeah. lot more to add to that. I, yeah. I agree with you. And, and I think my disappointment with him is, you know, you've accepted this role. You've received this big contract. Don't you want to be the best? I, I mean, he's a professional athlete. You got to believe he, he strives to be the best at whatever he does. And, and I think I'm just a little disappointed that he's taken, you know, what appears to be taking the paycheck and just, you know, I don't have to work at it anymore. And it almost appears like it's a combination of that. And he heard he was the best because he came out of the gates. He gets this enormous contract. Everybody's telling him he's the best. And maybe it's like, he's ignoring everybody who's saying what they're saying. Now I want to stay with broadcasting really quickly, because as I understand it, you've accepted and acknowledged the business side of why the NFL is moving more and more into streaming. We had the January 13th AFC wildcard game between the Chiefs and the Dolphins, which was streamed on Peacock, became the most watched event on a streaming service ever. And NBC Universal paid $110 million for the rights to that game. There's the business side. Uh, and now the NFL is about to announce that Amazon Prime Video will carry an NFL postseason game next season. And I know there's a lot of fans who say, oh, my God, I got to buy another streaming service. Although Amazon, I mean, if you're a real NFL fan, most most NFL fans by now have probably gotten Amazon because of the Thursday night football game. But they are clearly, Steve, further and further cutting the cord with cable. And uh, you and I have talked about this. They, they do ultimately want us to buy, like, every streaming service because we will because it's the NFL. Yeah, th this is that business side of it. And look, they got $110 million for one game. I mean, from the business side, you got to understand that. My fear is, is they're going to end up going to pretty much every game being part of a, a package that you have to buy here and there. 
you know, one of the great things with DirecTV is I bought the NFL Sunday ticket. I got all the games except for the national games. But I understand, you know, with the cable part, it is limited to a certain area. You can't go worldwide. You can't reach everyone, which is why we're seeing streaming come out everywhere for everything. Mm -hmm. And cable is going away. I just, man, I really wish the NFL and these sports would look you're making enough money give us consumers a break but we don't see that with ticket prices either as you know cost to go to all of these different games in person just continues to rise higher and higher well and they've got they've announced this very vague uh super duper sports package or, or sports streaming service that's going to be a conglomerate of i'm doing this from memory espn plus and uh t i think was it tnt They're, all three of them are coming together and I don't know what role football is going to have in that, although it's going to have something in that. And it's almost like you're going to have to, if you want to do what you and I do every Sunday, which is have access to every game, and then also be able to see Monday night and Thursday night football, you're going to have to buy like the, the YouTube package for what used to be on DirecTV, NFL Sunday ticket. You're going to have to buy this, this three-network conglomerate. You're going to have to buy Amazon. You're going to have to buy Peacock. And and it's uh, it instead of... Look, if they roped it all into one giant thing, that would that would be ideal. But they're they're that way. Not enough people get the money. Yeah, and I think that has to do with the contracts. You know, like uh, ESPN owns this amount of the contract, so they want that exclusivity mm -hmm. of that. You know, TNT has their contracts, and you know, I, I, maybe the leagues just need to form their own streaming networks. Right. I mean, you have <laughs> your NFL channel, your NBA channel, your MLB network, you know, just look, if I want the NFL, I buy their package and I get every single game. That's what if I, I want. The NBA, that's where they should go. That's what I thought. And maybe they are, and it's just taking a while to get there. They, they might be waiting for all of their current contracts to end. And then they're going to, they're, they're working on walloping us with that, which, which that's what I thought when they created the NFL network, the MLB network, the NBA network, I was like, okay. So at some point it's, this will become a premium service, premium channel that will somehow branch off to where we can get every single game. And, and we will just pick from which channel under the heading of the NFL network. So I think that might be where they're heading because you know, ultimately the NFL wants to keep all the money they can. Um, so that might be where they're going. I want to stay one more with broadcasting, but jump to baseball. Um, most play-by-play -play announcers, Steve, in fact, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, I can. I just did. Um, have never played the game. The play-by-play -play announcer, Joe Buck you know, didn't play professional football. Um, uh, Jim Nance, I don't know the extent to which he played sports at all. So those guys, like I thought of uh, the, the San Francisco Giants, their local announcers are uh, uh, Kipe, Kipe and Kruko. Uh, and they both played, Dwayne Kuyper and, and Mike Kruko. But that's very rare, uh, where you, your play-by-play -play guy played the game. Color commentators almost always. So why is it, Steve, that I have, other than me being sexist and misogynist, because that, that's kind of the easy, lazy answer, and maybe it's true, why do I have a visceral reaction to the Oakland A's announcing they are hiring Jenny Kavnar as their new primary play-by-play -play announcer for the TV broadcast? and she will become the first woman to hold that position in Major League Baseball history. Is there any other answer to it other than I am being a, 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 a misogynist sexist? You know, my view on it is, look, if she's good, I will listen. If she's not good, I won't listen. I have that right with all the other ones. I'm with you on the, the, color, the color man in that booth. I like to listen to a person who's actually played in the league, you know, played professional baseball, 
you know, football, basketball, et cetera, because they give me insights into what's going on in those game situations for that. You know, even Joe Morgan drove me crazy oh. with his on Sunday nights, but you know, he's a hall of fame baseball player. I know he knows what was going on on the field and what major league players go through. But for the for the play by play, look, if you're good, I'll listen. If you're not, I won't. Uh, I do think it helps to have some experience being a player, you know, with the Kruko, et cetera. But, you know, it's just whether or not it's easy on my ears and I enjoy listening to it. That's what my determining factor is on the play by play. Yeah. And maybe there's just not enough sample size because just to just be crystal clear. The, all of the all of the female commentators on the talking head shows, like on ESPN, they don't bother me at all. I don't. So it's not like I have this visceral reaction, like, "Oh, shut up! What do you know? You're a girl." But it, Doris Burke drives me nuts calling calling basketball games, and I don't have much more of a of a sample size. And she's done baseball. I mean, she's pretty yeah. much covered everything anymore. But uh, it, you know, it's just for me, it's just. Do they get it right? Is it easy on my ears? And do I enjoy listening to them? And again, I'll tell you, there's many games for different teams that I will just mute. I will just watch the games. I don't listen to it because, you know, I don't like their play-by-play person. And that's the other part of it. There are plenty of bad male play-by-play announcers that are out there for all the sports. Speaking of, since we're in baseball, we'll stay there. I don't know where you have it, Steve. Uh, I just pulled up uh, SI's sports book. You know, everybody has an online sports book or whatever now. They've got uh, the Dodgers, the overwhelming favorite to win the World Series this year, then the Braves, then the Astros. And I ask, uh, I bring this up because to what effect at all does it matter to you that uh, one of the pieces of late news uh, this morning is that Justin Verlander, the ace for the Astros, who is expected to start on opening day, is behind schedule. Now, he's 41. And he made a comment in his uh, presser yesterday. He said, yeah, my body just doesn't react like it did when I was 25. He says it's too far down the road to worry about his availability for the Astros season opener in six weeks, but he's sounding the alarm already. First of all, do you have in your mind, I mean, the Astros is one of the top three to win the World Series. That makes sense to me. And how, how big of a hit could Verlander not being ready until May, for example, be? It's a long season. It is a long season. I actually have the Yankees number three ahead of the Astros. You, you look at that division, and I know the the AL East with Baltimore and Toronto is going to be a tough division, but I still think Texas is still a really good team there. I think Texas is close to the Astros. They're not in front of them, but uh, I still expect Texas to be really good this year. So I would have the Yankees there. They went out, they picked up Juan Soto to go play the outfield. You look at Soto with Aaron Judge, that's going to be a tough lineup to get out. They have so many hitters. The big question with the Yankees is is going to be their pitching. You know, and, and Verlander has his routine. He's been doing it for many years. Uh, what I had read is, you know, he began his throwing problem, his throwing program and he his shoulder didn't feel right so he came out and said hey look something's going on here my shoulder's not feeling right so they're taking a look at that and going to see what happens so it has set him back a little bit but right now uh, I wouldn't be that worried if I was the Astros about it I would be running tests to make sure everything's good because he's like 40 41 years old but I, I'm not that you know concerned if his shoulder's a little cranky right now. What is interesting as you jump around to I'm just hitting a few other of these uh, online sports books and, and such is that these are these are odds to win the World Series and their top five, four of them are National League teams: Dodgers, Braves, Astros, Yankees, 
Phillies or four, three of them. So they've got they've got a three to two opportunity to say that that the National League is going to have the the winning team. Uh, yeah, I, I would give you the best team in baseball is the Dodgers. Uh, you know, until you can prove me wrong, questions with their starting staff, how healthy they are. I, I give you the Braves as the second best team. Yeah. I think this team is loaded, you know, and that's where I then jump into the American League with the Yankees as three, the Astros as four. And, and then you look at it, and I'm not convinced I'd put the Phillies five. I, I still like the Rangers, I like what the Orioles have done. I think the Orioles are right there. They've gone out and they picked up Corbin Burns, you know, to help solidify that starting staff. The Blue Jays, if they could ever figure out their pitching and get it going. And last year they got the pitching, but then their lineup wasn't very good. The Blue Jays have so much talent on that team. I'd probably have to put the Blue Jays right there as well. And, of course, the longest of long shots, as in they have none, uh, the Oakland A's are at the very bottom of that list on everybody's uh, lists. Uh, we got this email, rad at radradio.com from Greg. A lot of times you talk quick on uh, as we try to squeeze into an hour. Uh, and talking about the NFL packages and seeing the games, he says, doesn't NFL Sunday ticket already do that? So that would be, yes, on Sunday, which it's now on YouTube, we have access to all of the Sunday games, but what you don't get by spending an, enormous, an exorbitant amount of money on YouTube is you don't get access when they do a playoff-only game on Peacock or a playoff-only game on Amazon. You don't get Thursday night football unless you have Amazon, and that's where they're spreading these things out, Greg. All right, we also got this email from uh, Juan. Uh, came in RAD at radradio.com as we start the process now of the off-season NFL season and what do uh, NFL teams have to do in order to improve, in order to get to the playoffs, in order to go to the World Series, or go to the Super Bowl, go back to the Super Bowl. Juan says, all right, let's start talking about the offseason. I don't understand how coaches like Kyle Shanahan and Sirianni in Philadelphia get so much heat after literally taking their teams to the Super Bowl. But Mike Tomlin, Steelers, gets praise for not having a losing season. The last time the Steelers won a playoff game, Obama was our president. I know that drafting players isn't solely placed on the coach's shoulders, but they have to work with their GMs to make their decision on what players to draft. Looking back to the Steelers' first-round picks in the draft, they miss a lot. I know it's not how the Steelers' organization works, but they need to give Tomlin one or two more seasons and move on if he doesn't produce. Mitch Trubisky was released, and I don't know if Pickett is ever going to cut it. What do you guys think of the team trading a second-round pick for Justin Fields? There's a lot in there to unpack, Steve, and I want to do this one by one and start with he has a point. I know you and I love Mike Tomlin, but no heat on on Tomlin and nothing but praise. I mean, I don't. I think you and I for half this season didn't think the Steelers would have a winning season. And even with his point, I I still am like, who's better than Tomlin? He, he's he's proven. I I can't. I don't know. I mean, if they don't go to the postseason two three more years, maybe maybe that my opinion would change. I think Mike Tomlin's time in Pittsburgh is running out. I you know we heard the rumors on whether or not he was going to come back this year. You know, if you're a Steelers fan, yes, it's great. You make the playoffs, but we have to do something, you know, to advance. So I understand that criticism that he's not winning any playoff games. He's not taking them deep into the playoff hunt. He is, you know, playing above 500. But on the other side, you got to look at the Steelers and say, look, they really haven't had a quarterback in several years. The last few years of Roethlisberger quarterback, he couldn't move. I mean, he was a standing statue in that pocket. I don't think Kenny Pickett is the answer there. And I will tell you, I, I will go on record that I absolutely love the idea of the Steelers going out and picking up Justin Fields. I think he would fit with that team. This is a 
run first team. And I think with Justin Fields there, you'd be seeing the Steelers do a lot of what the Ravens are doing with that running quarterback who can throw. They have the, you know, the running backs there that can make things happen, a strong defense. I think the Steelers, if they went out and got fields, would kind of be saying, hey, look, we're imitating the Ravens a little bit here. And I'd like to get fields for a third, but if you got to go a second, that's a chance I'd be willing to make. But I think that would be the best scenario because I'm not sold that the Steelers will be able to go out and draft a quality quarterback. Maybe they can in the first round, and that's where they're holding off. But I like fields to the Steelers. That's where I'd like to see them end up. And that is the big rumor, which brings us to uh, Evan's uh, email, red at radradio.com, that says, do the Bears rock with fields and trade the number one spot, or do they keep the trend of swapping coaches and new quarterbacks in alternating fashion every year? Because that doesn't seem to be working for them. And this leads us to the there's two big rumors out there. It is apparently very well known that Mike Tomlin is a big fan of Justin Fields. He's also apparently interested in uh, Ryan Tannehill, which that one came out of left field for me this morning. But it does lead us back to talking about both these teams. The Bears, the 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 Bears fan base seems to be completely split on this, at least the ones that we have access to in the media and, and reports from Chicago. There are a lot of them that are saying, stick with Fields. The, the guy doesn't hasn't had the support he has. He is talented. We can do this. And the other half is, you can't pass up Caleb Williams. This is a this is a lifetime, this is a franchise quarterback. And and the, the Bears have such a questionable history, as pointed out in Evan's email, of the decisions they make in on drafts. I it's 50-50 for me, Steve. I I don't know. I think they should move on from Fields. It just doesn't seem like the right fit. I like your idea of going to the Steelers for all the reason you said, and especially if Tomlin's a fan of his. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they stuck with Fields, but I, I don't think they should. I don't think they're going to. I mean, you have the number one pick. This is something that's going to set your franchise either in the right direction, you know, long term. I don't think Justin Fields is the full pick there. We've seen him in Chicago for three years now, I think it is. Uh, might be four years, but it hasn't moved the needle. They really haven't improved a whole lot. So for me, I move fields on. I've read an article saying the Bears are not going to move that pick. But, you know, until the draft actually hits and they make their pick, you know, that could always be a smoke screen just to get people to offer more and more for that pick. Um, but I think the Bears are going to go with Caleb Williams. I think they're going to move Justin Fields to the highest bidder. I don't think they'll get a first-round pick for him because there's so many quality quarterbacks that are out there and understand that by drafting a quarterback – you know, you get that rookie contract for the first five years, like we're seeing the advantage <laughs> yeah. with the 49ers and Brock Purdy, where Justin Fields doesn't have that anymore. You're going to have to pay him. So I don't see moving a first round pick for a Justin Fields, but I, I think the Bears got to move on. But it, you know, if the Bears don't figure out their their front office, because again, it all starts with the owners. If they can't figure out their owners, their front office, and get quality football people in those decisions, who they pick's really not going to make a big difference. If the Bears, for whatever reason, decide to keep Justin Fields, it's a big if. We we both don't think they should. Um, there's no reason to keep that number one pick, right, at all. No, there's not. Uh, not in this field. I, I mean, in my world, if you're going to keep Justin Fields, and this is where we're going to go, I would want to see if I could slide down to three. Yep. Because at that point, I want Marvin Harrison, you know, as a weapon to go with Justin Fields, wide receiver out of Ohio State. I want Marvin Harrison Jr. 
to be my wide receiver to to pair up with Fields. But, you know, and I don't want to go farther down because then, okay, I lose my wide receiver, which is the whole reason I kept Justin Fields in the first place was for that passing game. So to me, I don't think they can move down farther than three. Yeah, and they've got, I was, uh, you remember that one point in the year? Uh, because they were the Bears were so bad, and they're getting Carolina's pick. That's why they have the number one pick. Uh, Chicago had one and three, but now they have one and nine. And Harrison ain't going to be around with the ninth pick. That's that's for sure. Um, let's jump to the Niners real quick. Um, let's do this. There's a couple Niner stories out there. We'll, we'll, we'll talk on the next break about Shanahan and this overtime thing again because this story is getting more and more weird. The big thing that the Niners are talking about or is being talked about with the Niners is what do they need to do to make sure they get back to the Super Bowl and make sure they beat whoever they play, especially if it's the Chiefs again. The, everybody knows they've got to they've got to look at so they've got they don't have to worry about Purdy yet. They, they're in the last year on Brandon Ayuk's contract, and they've got to figure out something with Ayuk. And John Lynch has said as much because even though he often is fourth fiddle to McCaffrey and Debo and George Kittle. He led the team in everything this year. Team leading catches, team leading yards, tied for most touchdown catches. And they need Purdy, who they don't have to worry about yet, to have as many weapons as possible. And they're talking about ways that they can defer these contracts. Everything you've said, Steve, they've got all these big ticket contracts. They're trying to figure out ways to go down there. So the next question comes to us from Logan, who says, if the Niners stay with their first round pick, which is like, what, 31st pick? Um, would you say choose an offensive lineman, a cornerback? What do you think the Niners team needs? So if we grant that we need to keep the, the Niners need to keep Ayuk and everybody in place and everybody else is locked up, it's going to be big cap hits coming down the road, Steve. What do the Niners need? Well, one of the things I, I believe in the draft and the 49ers fall into this category because I believe they have the depth. I think the 49ers have the ability here and the, the advantage of being able to draft the best player available as opposed to fully going after their needs. I mean, if you break down this roster, they have all pros at every level on their team. <laughs> I think if I'm the 49ers, one of the areas I would be looking to shore up a little bit is that defensive line. They have so much money put into it. I would like to get a little bit younger and a little bit cheaper out of that. So I'm not spending that kind of money on that defensive line and, and giving myself, you know, that break of the cheaper contract and a quality player who may be able to play for me for a while. They do have the, uh, the secondary I would address a little yeah. bit, but keep in mind their, their safety, Tafinga, I'm trying to remember what it exactly is like. You know, he was out for the whole year, and and that was a big blow for that secondary. Sorry, I, I'm not coming up with his name offhand, but you know that was a big blow to that secondary. You got to figure he's coming back, but I like their linebacker crew. I would also like to see their offensive line get a little bit better. I don't think their offensive line was a dominating offensive line in football this year. So for me, the two areas I'd be looking at is the defensive line to get a little bit cheaper and younger, the offensive line to get a little bit better. But I love the idea that because they have so much depth, I believe they could just go after the best player available. The password is uh, Tulanola Hufenga. I'm, I'm, I'm getting worse and worse at these names. It's, I still can't quite get um, Tua, Tua Tag, Taglio Viola. Tag, yeah, Taglio Viola. I, I remember because of the Viola part. 
and and, and even Wemben Yanma, you have to like sound out with, 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 with and and by the way, I love that the, all of these sports have become so glo- so global. I love seeing these guys, uh, but man, Talanoa Hufanga, that's what you were looking for, Steve. Yes, and, and you know he's an All Pro. He yeah. he is one of the top safeties in the league. You know, and that was a big blow to that defense. All right, I'm going to go do some mouth exercises, and we'll come back after this. Mix picks the mix pick sports show. Let's go. By the way, uh, just got news that uh, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs have locked up Steve Spagnola. There's a name I can pronounce. Uh, they've signed him to a contract extension to remain as defensive coordinator. Don't have any details on uh, how much longer uh, they wrapped him up for. Uh, we got this uh, email, rad at radradio.com from uh, Ronald says, What is on Steve's t shirt? It is from Nintendo Zelda from years ago. And when I was in college and right out of college uh, and the Nintendo came out, I was a huge Zelda fan, played it hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's that that's probably my favorite all time video game that's ever come out. So if you're listening to the radio, you could also watch us on Rad TV. Uh, and so that's, this email came in uh, during the break and I looked up and I'm like, what sports team is that? Now I understand why I couldn't figure out what that logo was for. And it was more for the, it was also for the coloring. I mean, yes, I try to wear mm-hmm. sports stuff all the time, but with my ruining everything, wearing black the other day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing it from other people on my side too. Steve, your coloring is mm. really bad. I, I was trying to help us out with something different and neutral. Yeah, it looks great. Um, Steve, I want to jump uh, this, this Kyle Shanahan story is, bothering me and i don't know how many how many legs it has i referenced it we may not get to it when we only have an hour i like to try to do things based on importance i want to get i want to do hockey we haven't done a lot of hockey yet together on on the show and i don't i did not see the hit live but i have seen the highlights of uh the morgan riley hit he's the uh he's for the uh the maple leafs and and he so the senators have a a, a rookie forward named uh, ridley Grieg, and on saturday night he scored an empty net goal and and he and he did the hot dog thing. He was he had an empty net, and instead of sliding the puck in for the score, I mean, Greg he went he went all the way back. He slap shotted it in, gave the big attitude. Of course, the home fans went nuts, um, but the Maple Leafs were not having it. And as Greg is sliding along the boards, Riley skates towards him and then raises his stick with both hands and hits Greg in the head. Now Greg's okay. Um, and Riley got a major penalty for cross checking, a game misconduct after the game. All of his teammates and his coach said he did the right thing. We stand by him. He got his five-game suspension today from the NHL. Let's start with with that. Is it is that a good suspension? And where do you land on on what Riley did? Well, you know, one, the rookie, welcome to the league. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't be showboating. You really should never be showing up the other team. Two this is a rookie let's show him what the NHL is about, but I understand the NHL, you know, is really in the last many years really coming to the player's defense. And I agree with that. They have to start enforcing that player safety. I, I think they've done a really good job with it. I still think it needs to go a little bit farther. I wasn't a big fan of the hit. I understand it, but again, you know, he could have been seriously hurt there. And is it, Proving a point to a rookie really worth 
putting the player's health and safety in danger. I don't believe it is. You know, I think somebody needs to talk to him and say, hey, look, going forward, you shouldn't necessarily do that. But the the NHL, again, I believe is doing the right thing. We need to take the fighting. We need to take the unnecessary things that put players at risk out of the game. But I'm not one that says we got to clean it up so there's no more hitting because I believe the hitting is a major part of hockey and it has that intimidation and kind of knocks that other team off it a little bit. When you see these finesse teams that they play a physical team and the, and the physical team takes it to them, it really knocks that team out of sync. So I understand and, and as a fan appreciate you know, the certain level of physicalness in hockey, but again, bottom line player safety. So, I mean, what Greg did, you know, it's the, it's the, the equal to the obnoxious bat flip in baseball, the trotting super slowly around the bases. And the next time you're up to bat, you're going to get some high heat. Most likely I'm, what would you say to fans of hockey that say fighting, not hitting fighting is part of the sport. It's not like it was 20, 30 years ago, for sure, where they would just meet up in the middle of the the ice, drop their gloves, and the refs would just let them go for a certain amount of time. But there are are a lot of old-school guys like you and me that are arguing opposite of you, saying, don't take the fighting out of it. That's part of the game. It, It is to a certain extent. I just, you know, when I grew up, it was, hey, look, it was a you know, a boxing match that they played some hockey (laughs) and uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad they've moved away from all of the different fighting, but again, you have to have the physical aspect of it. I don't have a problem with the fighting because if you think about it, they got so much gear on, you know, yes, they drop their gloves, but you know, are you really going to land a solid punch? You know, you're on ice skates. You're not able to get, you know, a whole lot of leverage there and they allow them to go for a little bit. But the second one of the two gets an advantage over the other ones, the referees break it up. So I'm not for getting rid of fighting altogether. I just, I think it needs to be more on the ice and less fighting, but you still need to have some of that physical part because that is so much of hockey is the checking into the boards, et cetera. And I think I'm scarred. Uh, A lot of times people argue the slippery slope and and it never materializes but having watched what the nfl has become and it has not hurt their popularity obviously but to where they the the defenders don't even know who and how and where they can hit anymore and it just feels like this move to essentially basically in the end those that are 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 advocating for it outlaw fighting in the nhl is the beginning of of making hockey even less physical probably not in your lifetime or mine but it's just it, i think that's part of it for me is boy we're just we're just heading towards like no contacts boy oh flag football is an olympic sport now you know if, if i had kids would they wind up watching the nfl as the national flag league yes and i and i get that and we watch it in all the different sports i mean the offense is much better you know growing up hockey games used to be totals used to be five five and a half you know, now it's pretty much six and a half on almost every game. On occasion, you'll get a seven. So the scoring is way up because they are taking that physicality out of the game and moving it towards it. But in that argument, you look at an NHL game and when they go into that overtime and you're playing, you know, the three on three, I mean, that is so exciting. If you're actually in an arena to watch it, all the fans are standing the entire five minutes they're playing because it's so exciting 
with that. Offense is king. Offense gets viewership. We see that. And if it means we, you know, we have a little bit more player protection, I understand it. I just don't want to lose the true nature of what the sport is about. And that's where my fear is now because I watch the NFL and yes, I love the NFL, but man, I feel for the deep backs. You can't go high because you hit them in the head and you get a penalty. So they teach you to go low, but now you're going low and you're causing knee injuries and all that other stuff. You know, just explain the rules, teach us what you want us to do, allow us to do it. And, and but you still got to allow them to hit. And you know, that is part of the game. Anytime there is a major injury, like to the knees or to the Achilles or anything as a result of a hit, they immediately start rumbling. We're going to look at that in the rules committee. Well, if you outlaw high hits and you outlaw low hits, basically they can hug you around the waist. And, and that's where this is getting more and more ridiculous. Absolutely. You know, and I even go to the baseball and I understand the Buster Posey rule with blocking home plate, but come on, blocking home plate was an art form. This is what we do. I'm not looking for the Pete Rose blowing up Ray Fossey, you know, in the all-star game type of thing, but you know, blocking the plates, part of the game, allow it to happen just because Buster Posey was out of position was sitting, you know, on his knees on the ground and, and in a bad position to allow it, to, the injury to happen. Don't stop it because he was in a bad position. Uh, by the way, uh, Richard, I got your email, uh, red at radradio.com. As we go through the next many weeks heading towards the draft, we're going to talk about and sometimes deep dive every, every NFL team that matters. Uh, in terms of what's coming up, yes, we will talk uh, more about the Raiders, their coaching, who they should draft, their current makeup, and things like that, I promise you. Maybe even tomorrow because uh, you, you, you've you put it in my brain. It all depends on what's going on uh, every day in terms of what takes priority in the hour that we have. We did get an email from Lewis. Now, we are, or it could be Louie. We try to be as honest as we can, and we had somebody write in a few weeks ago about where we were on uh, men's college basketball and we both said, look, it's football. We don't get into college basketball until it gets closer to March Madness and, and such. And, and I admit it, I've, I, I've, I haven't been great at college basketball. This one, I, I know nothing about this. Nothing. And I don't know where you are, Steve. We do a sports show. It's impossible to know everything about all sports. Uh, but uh, Louis or Lewis says uh, from uh, RAD at radradio.com, good morning, Rob. Just curious if you or Steve have any thoughts on the upcoming Formula One season. I know it's not a sport you typically cover. I remember Steve briefly mentioned Formula One around the time they were racing in Vegas. I I am not a I am not a race fan. I have nothing against it. I don't think that, that Formula One or, or NASCAR is like a hick sport or anything. I just haven't been able to find the time or the space in my brain to get into it. And I Steve, do you do you watch any of this racing stuff? Uh I can tell you that that and I'm trying to remember his name Vince Strappen, the the guy who won the Vegas race. Th- this guy dominated. I I mean it wasn't close and and you know I've booked Formula One over the years but man, I want to say he won like 16 of 24 races. It wasn't close. He, he raced for Red Bull. He was hands down the best driver on the course every single week. It it, it became a joke because he would go off at like a $3 favorite to win the race (laughs) against everyone else. And he won like race after race after race. Um, great. He's the best driver. He has the best car. And for me, I'd be a little bit worried from the formula one aspect because he is so dominating and he is so much better than everyone else on the track that it kind of takes the fun out of watching it because you pretty much know that he's going to win. And even in the Vegas, you know, the Vegas grand prix, 
he got penalized, you know, on the opening drive, taking a driver into the turn and he got penalized and he was like, ah, yeah, go ahead and let him. And, and he still won the race, you know, even though he had time taken off of his, his car and everything else, <coughs> he still won the race with ease. So his, uh, his exact name is Max Verstappen. Um, and so your preview of the upcoming season is it's Verstappen against the field, basically. <laughs> Yes, it is. And whether or not he can keep his car, you know, going, because you could probably throw him in his backup car and he's still going to be the best driver out there. Knicks Picks, the Mix Picks Sports Show. Let's go! want to thank Alec. He wrote in. We were talking a little bit about Formula One at the request of uh, Lewis, and uh, he cleared up for us Max Verstappen. It was 19 of 22 races, and Red Bull won 21 of 22 uh, this past season. The uh, Sacramento Kings, Steve, is it time for the fans to worry they lost to Phoenix, even though they had they got great performances? People have been grumbling about De'Aaron Fox's play lately. He had a big game. Sabonis had a big game. Monk had a big game. But the Suns still won, and the Kings are now sitting right there with the Lakers and the Warriors. Warriors are surging, and a lot of Kings fans are starting to get nervous because they could pretty soon be 10th in, in the West. And uh, they got to play, was it, Denver to, again. So where should Kings fans be nervous? Nervous. Yeah, I do believe you're in that five, six, seven, eight range. They had a good game last night. It was a tough break. This game went down, you know, to the end. Keegan Murray got called for a foul, you know, when the Suns were inbounding the ball. So the, the Suns got to shoot the free throw and keep the ball. And at the time, I believe it was a two-point game, maybe a three-point game, which which was a tough penalty for, for the Kings in that spot. But we watched the, the that game watching it. You know, Bradley Beal went down early in that game. And, and when you when he's not on the court, when he's on the court, this is a really good team. But he was not on the court. This Suns team doesn't worry me that much. I mean, you still have Booker. You still have Durant. But they don't have the big size inside. Sabonis had a huge game. This game could have gone either way. I know the Kings are struggling a little bit here. They had a big win at home against Denver. They do play Denver tonight, and I actually expect Denver to have a little bit of payback for that <laughs> big blowout loss. But but Murray's going to be out tonight. Caldwell Pope's going to be out tonight for the Nuggets. Uh, Nuggets are a five, five-and-a-half-point favorite here. I like the Nuggets, but uh, I, I'd like to see the Kings have a nice performance. But I'm not pushing the panic button yet. So the Kings have the Warriors and the Lakers behind them, and the story broke. And I'm trying to figure out how I actually read what I really want to think about this, that the Warriors and the Lakers were engaged in talks, literally at the highest level, owner to owner, right before the trade deadline to bring LeBron to team with Steph and the Warriors. And in the end, the answer was LeBron had no interest in a trade and wanted to remain a Laker. That, to me, at least tells me, Steve, that the Warriors are in the same mindset that you and I are, that they're they're not they look they're on this run if we were just talking the other day about how Draymond Green is saying yeah you know my suspension actually helped us out they got five wins in a row etc but then they go out and they try this this flex move of getting LeBron and I, I but those two teams are right below the Kings and those are the two teams that Kings fans dread the most for a variety of reasons including rivalries and 20 year old history and I think that's where a lot of the nervousness is coming from is that it's not just well the Kings aren't great right now right now I mean, we're, at, we're literally halfway through the season. All-star break's coming up. 
but we're worried about the Warriors and the Lakers. And and I can't figure out if that's a legit concern. I think if the Kings are worried about the Warriors and the Lakers, then the, their focus isn't on the ball. I mean, you want to get into the playoffs. You want to advance deep. I think the Warriors' window is closing. I think they realize that, which is why they're trying to make one last-ditch effort to go out and get LeBron James. I'm curious what they would have had to give up in order to get him. <laughs> But the part of that story that caught me the most is they reached out to Jeannie Buss mm -hmm. and she's like, no, we're not moving him. But if you would like, you can talk to his agent <laughs> and let his agent decide if he wants to go. So kind of giving his agent the power and LeBron the power. Look, LeBron, if you want to go, we'll trade you. But if not, you know, we're happy with you here. And that caught me a little bit off guard. I know it's LeBron, but you're basically giving a player and his agent the right to, hey, yeah, here, I'm going to get traded or not. If I'm the Lakers, no, you're not going anywhere. We're not moving you. You are a Laker. So that really caught me off guard. And again, the Lakers, LeBron, Anthony Davis, you know, very good team, but I don't see them going deep either. If I'm the Kings, I'm looking at that waiver wire. I'm trying to pick up the different players. You know, we see Dinwiddie signing with the Lakers. We see, you know, Kyle Lowry is signing. There's some good talent that got traded and is being released and bought out that the Kings really need to look at to add to that bench and get some more bench strength, which then will help them come playoff time. The power that LeBron has in that league is, is it's, it's unmatched. And I mean, the, the book on him is he's gotten more than a few coaches fired and he's has had, he's manipulated more than a few rosters. And that speaks to his, his talent. I'm not, I'm not really that surprised that that's how the Lakers handled that, but I, I am curious, what is it about the situation in San Francisco that made LeBron say, I want to stay in L.A.? Is it he wanted to be in L.A., he wanted to be in Hollywood, he's got his son right there at USC? Did he not want to share uh, the the stage with with Steph? Did he evaluate the Warriors and go, well, I can't do any better there than I can here? I, I'm, I'm wondering... What was it that made him say resoundingly, according to the article that you're referencing, no, I'm, I'm staying as a Laker? I think it has to do with his son playing basketball at USC. Mm -hmm. You know, his son had that episode yes. and is playing, you know, missed the start of the season. He's starting to play a little bit more. I, I do believe that his dream is to play with his son, Bronny, mm -hmm. in the NBA. Um I don't know as far as looking at the Warriors. I know there's so much more that we never discuss when we talk about players getting drafted and traded with that. You got to move your home. You got to, if you have younger kids, you got to go set up a school. You got to, there's so many things that go on behind the scene that it's just look at this point. I'm comfortable in LA. I have all my other businesses, ventures and all that here. So to me, staying in LA makes sense, but the disappointing part is, is LeBron is settling because I don't think the Lakers have any shot at winning, you know, the championship. I don't think they have any chance of going deep into the playoffs. And that's the part that catches you a little off guard because LeBron is always, you know, let's go to Miami and set up the big three so we can win. And everywhere he's gone, it's about winning that championship. But with the Lakers, it seems more about his lifestyle than winning championships. Well, and I do. Th that's I think I do think that it's the it's the brawny thing. Just stay there, and and I don't know if he's envisioning they're going to play on the Lakers, but he I think he likes being there. I don't know if the the medical uh, episode that Brawny had 
also kind of makes him like, I don't want to be that far away. And we know LeBron has has Kobe-like sights of, of, of being involved in Hollywood. He already did the, the horrible remake of Space Jam or Space Jam 2 or whatever. And so he's right there in the in the Mecca. And I, I think all of that is just like, he's like, look, this is fine for all the reasons that you said. Yeah, so I don't I don't see him going anywhere. I think his contract's going to end, and and again, I don't have contract information, but it's going to give him that flexibility when Bronny comes out to be able to go to wherever he wants to go. Uh, that would surprise me if his contract wasn't set up with Bronny in mind. So there was a lot of screaming and yelling yesterday about a game on Monday night. Again, we try to feed in or fit in everything we can here, but this this is. Bigger than just, oh, it's the man, the refs uh, blew a call. The refs have admitted that they blew the call, like blew it. Uh, in the Knicks-Rockets game on Monday night, crew chief Ed Malloy has acknowledged that the foul call on Knicks guard Jalen Brunson against Houston's Aaron Holiday inside the final second of the game was incorrect. And then Holiday goes on. He makes two free throws. He, he misses the third one intentionally so that the clock runs out. And it's 105-103. And the Knicks lose. Now, the Knicks have filed a protest with the NBA. Six of those in league history have been upheld. And a protest has to prove misapplication of a rule, not simply a missed call. And the screaming and yelling yesterday, Steve, was why doesn't the NBA have an NFL-type loophole for when you get down to the final few seconds where it isn't about the coaches, the teams having any type of challenges. It's any controversial play is immediately reviewed. And that, as I was watching these arguments, that made sense to me. Yes, I was actually watching the game at the time and they called the foul. They actually went over to the monitors to check it. They did. And they reviewed this play as everyone is standing there waiting to find out what the outcome was going to be. And they backed up the foul call, said it was a foul put them at the line. Rockets had led most all of this game. The Knicks found a way to fight back into it, got tied late in that game, but they reviewed it on the monitors and still upheld that call, which then you're asking, what's the point of going back to New York or wherever it is? Because they still upheld it and then come out with a report saying they blew that call. They blew it on two fronts at the time they called it and on the review. Now, you're the one that's always preaching technology. I wasn't aware of that. That I I, I didn't see it. I, I wasn't up that late. I, I was not aware that they did review it, and it was then later they they say, oh, yeah, we, we got it wrong twice because you're always preaching more technology, more technology. Doesn't this prove there is still a limit to and, – and, and I guess my, my question for you is what is, the, what is the fix to this specific example? Now, you know, obviously the Knicks, what they want, they want to pick up the game tied at the start of overtime – I don't know that the NBA is going to – it doesn't seem to me like the NBA is going to accept this protest, but what, would that be your resolution in an example like this? Uh, you know, I, I am one behind the technology of this. I don't know how you would resolve it. Watching the game, I didn't think there was a foul. I'm like, look, we're going overtime. When they go to review it, I'm like, there's no way they're going to allow this to stand. Hmm. We're going to move on. We're into overtime. And then they come back from the review and say, look – the foul did occur. We are putting him at the free throw line. It stunned me that that was their ruling. I, I don't know what you do there if you're trying to use the technology. I don't know how they change it. And it surprised me a little bit that it came out in their two-minute report that they did blow this call because 
when you did the review as well and it still upholds it and then you come out and say look we missed on the call we missed on the review then as a fan you start questioning everything then going you know what's the point was is there okay just because of the we get these uh these these juicy little stories is there any um was there any sports book gambling uh ramifications to this well there had to be some uh you know i don't know where it fell on the total i mean the knicks would have been a bigger favorite they lost by two obviously if the knicks win the game you have anybody who cashed a ticket on the rockets on the money line uh you know or cashing a thing but i i don't think this was a game one that was hugely wagered on um and, and i don't know i can't tell you where the total was at on this to know if the total comes into effect if you were to go to overtime as well. It, it just speaks to what you're saying, where your mind starts racing. And and how many times have we seen this in the NFL, where we're watching, the announcers are, of the game are saying, oh, there's no way. There's no, no, they're going to overturn this, or vice versa. And then the ref runs on the field and does the exact opposite of what all of us think. And that's the thing that I, 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 I that's why I always go back to the phrase that you seem to not like, that human error is part of the game. It, it is part of the game. I was, I like I said, I was watching it live, and I was stunned <laughs> that they upheld it. it. It was like, well, what's the point of it? You know, and you always heard rumors that, oh, well, they don't want to overturn the referees' calls because, well, it sends a bad message, like the refs aren't doing a very good job, and they have to correct them. But the whole idea behind going for the review is to get the call right, and that's been my argument. That's what we all... At the end of the day, we just want the call to be correct, regardless of if it favors our team or is against our team. We just want it to be correct. And here's a case where the whole system blew up. All right, Steve, I'll talk to you again in 23 hours. Thank you, my man. Thank you. Mix. Sports Show.